Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Well, we've we've got to figure out a new way to start these things. Uh, hello, John. <laughs> Great to see you. I always love seeing you. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Well, we can start. Gosh, and how we just saw each other. How about? <laughs> yeah, it's strange how that works. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing's changed in the last few minutes. Well, um, but all things have changed. Exactly. Right? Everything is always changing. Yes, it's true. Actually, there's less coffee in my cup, so that's that's changed. <laughs> yeah. Papancha. Papancha is the subject for today, oh, which is papancha. Such a great word. It's a wonderful word. There are any number of words in in the uh, early early language, the, the language of Pali that are anamana poetic, and that's probably <laughs> one of the, the, yeah. the most famous ones, right? Yeah. What does it mean? Well, I mean, mental proliferation is one of the sort of standard translations, and I think it's a good one. It's a word that can have any number of different connotations. To me, it connotes. Obsessive thinking, the sort of ruminative, obsessive thinking that we all undergo, uh, that we that it happens to all of us, and that it's central to practice, to be mm-hmm. aware of that. How the mind, I mean, the Buddha talks in a number of early suttas about how the mind gets into this sort of situation of obsessive, ruminative thinking, uh, yeah. the, of the mind proliferating, just sort of, you know, expanding in all kinds of ways the way we all know it does you know yeah and in our last you know podcast we were talking about meditation and 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 you know what it is and why we do it <clears throat> and of course one of the first things we discover is papancha in the process right because uh, you know the moment we are having an experience we don't like we obsess about it or when we're bringing to our practice something that happened during the day which we always do. I mean, in, in one way or another, we're generally, you know, we, we sit and depending on how our day has been, we're going to bring something along because it's the baggage that we carry, right? And then we tend to, rather than empty out the baggage, we will often like put more in, you know, through this process of proliferation. Mm. And, you know, well, if I'd only done this, this wouldn't have happened and that could have happened. And, you know, we can, we can see it unfolding. And that is actually part of the key, right? Is just observing the papancha taking off. Mm-hmm. And he's the Buddha talks about thoughts of the past and the future in particular, and yeah. that's one of the, I think one of the real insights and keys is the way that we the, the past becomes something that we either obsess about because we're regretting something or we want to reachieve that thing. And so, how can we reachieve it, or how could you know how could we have done that stupid thing that we did, and you know, or the future, you know, how can we get this thing that we want to get, or avoid this thing that we want to avoid, and you know, what's going to happen with us, you know, the election next year, that you know, or the next in the fall, you know, all this stuff, the way that we think about past and future, and that's the mind sort of spins out, right, and and we're not located here in the present, and and, and of course, it's my fault. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's, oh, like, oh, my mind always does this. Yeah. Right. Of course, everybody's mind does it. Yeah. Except those who are like really Our far eyes. along. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so our, our mind obsesses 
and then we obsess more about the obsessing, mm-hmm. right? And and so it's fascinating to me. Piety, my partner, I, I often refers to it as the wow factor. It's like, wow, the mind grabs a hold of something and just takes off, mm-hmm. right? And and we think that we can control it, right? Yeah. Or that or that we're doing it, yeah. right? But it's just the mind doing what the mind does. Now the causes and conditions are there. Right. Uh, and that creates the papancha. The causes, there are causes and conditions that create the papancha. And maybe we can do something about those causes and conditions. And if we can, great. But in the midst of the practice, in the midst of meditation, we can't necessarily do it or we may not even know how to do it at that moment. So, so the mind is just kind of trying to do it on its own with no support in a sense. Right. So, the habitual response to papancha is to try to stop it, right? Yeah. Like, I've got to stop this papancha. I've got to stop my mind from doing what my mind is doing. Yeah. And any of us that have, like, gone down that road realize that that's a useless uh, process. Well, the Buddha talks in one of the suttas about, what is it, like, gritting your teeth and, you know, biting your tongue or something like that. Uh, as like that may last, work for some people. <laughs> yeah, but that's sort of the last stage. Like, if you can't do anything, then at least, you know, yeah. It doesn't that has really never work. worked for me. No. That's all I'll say, you know. And, <laughs> and I know it's there in the teaching, and it's like... I'm not I sure how... Know. I'm not sure how... I think he may have been saying that with a bit of a smile on his face. Like, you know. That would be interesting to know. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, it just doesn't fly, you know. Yeah. The, the image that's so often used by teachers and certainly by me, is the idea of wild horses. Mm. If you're trying to tame a wild horse, the last thing you want to do is put it in a small space. You know, that just makes it worse. And essentially, that's what we're doing when we are trying to stop our proliferating mind, is we're trying to put it in a small space. And then it gets really, you know, aggravated. Mm -hmm. But if we just let it run... And just observe the running. I mean, watching wild horses run is beautiful, you know. So, what is it like to watch the mind just, oh, wow, you know, without identifying with yeah, it? Yeah, the, the hard part of that, the hard part of that, that instruction is to do that without getting carried away by those wild horses. Of course, yeah. Because <laughs> then you're, yeah. you know. And, and we get carried away, of course, when we are identifying that as being my, who I am, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If I had not done this, this wouldn't have happened. Or, you know, if I had only not fallen into this trap, this wouldn't have happened. All of that stuff, right? And this is my anger. This is my greed. Yeah. This is my, this is what I want for me. And yeah. And we were talking about this a bit in the last podcast that it's natural that when something arises, you know, when we are sitting in meditation in particular, when something arises that is uncomfortable, we, we push it away. You know, we try to get rid of it. And at some point, we discover that trying to get rid of it adds to the problem. It's like putting ourselves in a straitjacket. And that's really uncomfortable. Right? Yeah, but it's paradoxical because we yeah. are trying to get rid of it, but, but you can't do it directly is the problem. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a paradox. I mean, it's one of these Zen paradoxes. You know, how do you get rid of something without getting rid of it kind of thing? Um, and that's part of the problem, this sort of paradox of practice, is mm-hmm. how you how you 
play with that. Yeah. So how do you get rid of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's practice. I mean, it, it begins, yeah. I for me, it begins, as we, we talked about in the last podcast, it begins, again, for me, it begins with calming. Mm-hmm. Just spending, you know, sitting down, focusing on the breath, calming. Because just that little bit of, I find that just that little bit of calm allows me to, as it were, literally take a breath and focus on the problem at hand and take a look, see what's going on. And if if the mind is spinning out, watch, you know, watch it, as you just said. I mean, it's, but it, that little bit of calm allows a little bit of distance, I think, that, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of that ceasing of identification that can yeah. come. Because it's when we're not calm is when we begin, to, the mind sort of automatically identifies. The mind likes to identify with things. And so, as insofar as we're agitated and lack calm, the mind will immediately start identifying with things and we're immediately carried away by them. At least I find myself mm-hmm. doing that. No, absolutely. And, and it's like, you know, and this is why, generally speaking, when I'm guiding or when I'm guiding myself, it's like I, one wants to anchor in something. We need to sort of, you know, put our hands down or put our body down and say, okay, my body is here. This body is supported by this chair. This breath is supported by this body. And if that is there as an anchor, then everything else that's going on is just going on. But I can always come back. I know with with some people in meditation, if they're meditating with their eyes closed, you know, which is common – the papancha actually is is harder to work with. Mm. I will often give an instruction, well, if you're really sort of, you know, if that's really happening, just momentarily open your eyes. So it's actually giving another orientation, you know, so that we don't necessarily get wrapped up. Because we, we are so often thinking, you know, our awareness is like going into our heads, basically. You know, we think that everything we experience, we experience in our head. That is the papanches, like just the brain, you know, doing what the brain does, right? And so we can only take care of it in the brain, right? As opposed to like, well, wait a minute. What else is happening with this papancha? Oh, yeah, I noticed my breath is getting a little little more agitated or my body is feeling antsy or... And so then if we come back to that and come back to the body or come back to the breath, and it's not that you have to consciously calm the breath the breath will consciously calm itself in a sense you know if we're not interfering and thinking oh i have to do this because this will happen if i don't do this it's more like hmm. okay right now it's agitated let me stay with this and see if it shifts and as that shifts then the papancha also shifts is what i found so yeah i mean it's a great i mean in a way it's a blessing and a curse, right? Right. And the blessing is that it allows us to see something very clearly. The curse is when it just sticks around and won't leave. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, and that may happen at times, you know, and so we just kind of, oh, okay, it's just that. To me, one of the interesting things about Papancha is that when you read how it's, how it's discussed in the early texts, there's a sense in which Papancha could even be taken to be almost synonymous with dukkha itself mm-hmm. that you know for instance the the buddha gives uh, a a very 
elliptical instruction to Bahia the of the bark cloth who was a, mm-hmm. who was a a person from you know some tradition who was just you know who thought he had been enlightened but then realized what he he was not and so he went to the Buddha and wanted a very very short short instruction and the Buddha um, I'm not going to remember the exact instruction uh, it doesn't really matter you can look it up if you want but it's basically the, to practice so that in the scene is only the scene mm-hmm. in the herd is only the herd and so on with all the sense modalities in the thinking is uh, in the thought is only the thought and that was enough to you know to make him wake up to to bring him to enlightenment and we can ask, we can sort of wonder why now there's a separate text where the buddha gives the same instruction to malunkyaputta who is a different uh, who is a monastic and in that text he sort of just there is more of a discussion of what's going on and the discussion makes it at least relatively clear to me that what's it what's going on is papancha and in the scene is only the scene means that there isn't papancha going on there is not right. this kind of additional la- these additional layers of right. mental clouding that are you know i mean because the the one of the i think aspects of papancha that becomes clear to us or clear to me when i see it is that it is suffering it's dukkha it's there's something insatis- unsatisfactory about it that yeah. we get carried off by it, but it's yeah. not pleasant. Right. So, l- as an example, let's just go with seeing, right? So, he says, in the scene is only the scene. Okay. So, right now I'm seeing my desk, which is a bit of a mess. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why is my desk such a mess? You know, I, I am such a mess. You know, why am I, why, and, you know, and, and I go, I get carried away, like, oh, there's that bill, and there's this thing, and there's this document I have to write, and there's, you know, oh, and there's that I forgot to throw out. All of that stuff arises. Mm-hmm. But in the scene is just the scene. It's just desk, paper, keyboard, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like stopping right there. And, and you know, it's it's just the seeing, right? And it's, and not only is it just the seeing, it's the seeing of paper, the seeing of color, the seeing of hardness, the seeing of softness, the seeing of, you know, whatever. But the add-on creates the papancha. And the mind naturally does this, of course, right? And when we see the mind doing that, you know, we can we can either just let it take off and realize, oh, that's just papancha happening, right? Or we can say, oh, what an idiot I am. Like, I should never, you know, we keep adding on. And so it's this, it's, all of that is optional. <laughs> and fun, funnily enough, in the, in the discourse that the Buddha has with Malunkyaputta, Malunkyaputta gives a, I think it's one of them, anyway, it doesn't matter. One of them gives a poem at the end and talks about how important it is to wear away, not pile up. Mm. Wearing away, not piling up. And it's like you were saying, piling up, piling up <laughs> all of these all of this papancha, all of these different thoughts and 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 opinions and and regrets and and wishes and desire and all that stuff, it's it. That's what that's what is the dukkha. And if we wear yeah. that away through practice, we get to uh, freedom. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't looked at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, I'm in the same. I'm in exactly okay. the same position yes. you are. I'm looking around at me at, at all these de- all the stuff on my desk right. and thinking. Oh, yeah. Right. At least I have to create new piles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's piles are like just another form of papancha, but they're just neater. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. 
uh, I like that wearing away uh, or not adding on. You know, I mean, there's, there are two ways, right? There's the wearing away, and then there's just not adding. Yeah. Right. And and but it's it's fascinating to look at. I remember years ago I was on a retreat. This must have been in maybe seven years ago. There was a Dharma talk, and somehow after the Dharma talk, this was back when Homeland, the show, time show, was on. Homeland was a you know great suspense series on Showtime, which involved some amazing characters, including uh, blanking out on the name of the, the main character, who was a CIA agent who also was uh, well, she had her own mental problems. And, uh, you know, she was inc incredibly obsessive. And she would make, she would do things that you're just like, why are you doing this, you know? And somehow, you know, I got obsessed with this particular episode that I must have watched just before coming on retreat. And something in the talk, like, got me going on this absurd chase of why this person did that and she should have done this. And if only she had done this, this wouldn't have happened. And I had to, like, at some point just rewind. So, well, okay, what was it in that talk that created this spark, which then got this whole thing going? And honestly, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was, but the whole process of rewinding the investigation mm. aspect of it was really interesting, you know, because it's like, oh, oh, yeah, it was just that, you know? And, and when we take the time to do that, and this is a big part of practice, this is the investigative part of practice. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, this one little thing happened and it created this whole flurry of activity that was completely optional. Yeah. Um, How do you do that, though, without getting caught in the story? Because, I mean, there's obviously there's two different approaches to our own past. Yeah. Yeah, good question. I mean, I, I think that, well, the, in a sense... But Papacha is the story. That's right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I so agree, yeah. we we can rewind it and say, well, what created that story? Uh, what spark? You know, and it may just have to do with a physical sensation. It may just have to do with one word that was spoken. We don't need to get into the why because that just creates more story. And so when I my instructions generally when it comes to investigation is to ask the what, the where, and the how, but not the why. Mm. Because the moment we get into the why, we're generally in, in meditation. And I'm not saying the why isn't necessarily important when it comes to our own personal analysis or thera therapeutic analysis. That that's a, a different a, a different approach, really. You know that that when we get into it in meditation, if we get into the why, then we just create more papancha generally. Now, if this hadn't happened, I, you know, if I hadn't done this, why did I get you know? And it's like. You know, and I, and I know that experience clearly because I've done it a lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like I can beat myself up very quickly. Yeah, it can help. I, at least for me, I find it sometimes. Sometimes it can help to short circuit that the the story just by ask. You know, because you just ask. You know, where is the clinging? Mm. So yeah. the why the wh there is a why there, but it's it sort of short circuits the why because it's just asking a single question. You know, where right. is the clinging? Once yeah. you find that, you found the why, yeah. but it's not, it's not, there's sort of like, there's not enough meat on that bone to continue the story. 
Yeah, and it's either where is the clinging or where is the pushing away. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same thing. But yes, exactly. It's like, oh. And then it's like, where is the judgment? Oh, the judgment. I'm an idiot. You know, well, wait a minute. That's just more, <laughs> you know. And so it's, it's um, you know, it's it's really useful to just kind of, and hard, you know, to drop the shame, drop the blame, or drop the blame anyway, and drop the judgments. And just look. Yeah. Because, again, the judgment just creates more papancha. Uh, I always talk about the woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? The woulda, shoulda, coulda is just more papancha. It's like, if I'd only done this or, yeah. if I, if, you know, should have done that, I could have done this. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and, and that didn't happen, and this is what's here, and so what now? Yeah. You know, so, so we're... As you said earlier, I mean, we we so easily get caught in the past or trying to fix it for the future as opposed to saying, well, what's happening now? Yeah. Or the other big question is, what else is happening now that can kind of short-circuit the papancha? And that's a really key one as well. What else is happening? Yeah. What's happening in the body? What's happening? And, and sometimes it's a matter of going externally. You know, what's happening? Oh, the sky is blue. The sun is out. Whatever it is. Because it can be exhausting. Yeah. Really exhausting. I, I, mean, I think I also may have slightly misspoken in the past because I was saying, you know, that there was the, the past and the future that we have to let go of and focus on the present. But in fact, the Buddha says you have to look, let go of the present as well. Right. The present yeah. can be its own source of papancha if we allow it to. Yeah. Because you can just, you know, the mind can spin out just as, just as easily on the present as it can <laughs> on anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we have to be, we have to be alive to that. And now I think... One slight caveat also is that, of course, there is a you know well recognized mental illness of of obsessive compulsive disorder, and I'm always very careful, at least in my videos, to to say, look, there are more serious forms of these sure. syndromes like papancha that you know really ought to be dealt with by a professional first to to deal with the most troublesome aspects of them before we get to a dharma context because i don't think you know i think that there's people who have very very serious forms of obsession obsessive thinking that it might not really be very useful for them to to be in a meditative situation they need to deal with that perhaps in the you know in the environment of stories and so on um in you know traditional therapy or whatever it might be for sure Absolutely. um and i think it's cl it's good to to yeah. clarify that just in case somebody is having a yeah, question. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I mean, papancha is not obsessive compulsive disorder. Papancha right, exactly. Is normal patterns yeah. of the mind. Yeah. yeah. Of course, too much of it can maybe take us down that road, but but you're right. I mean, there's there's a medical or therapeutic diagnosis of that, which which needs to be dealt with separately. And yeah, I would say probably first. Yeah. Not that, I mean, at the same time, mindfulness can certainly be uh, helpful for that as well, because we can see it happening before it happens. And, and, and when we see it, it's like, you know, we talk about, uh, in, in MBSR, we often introduce this autobiography in five chapters, which has to do with falling into the holes and, and knowing whether we've fallen into a hole, right? And I was teaching this the other night, actually, and, and somebody was talking about wasn't, it wasn't an OCD situation, but it was an, a generalized anxiety situation. This person could see, could see falling in the hole now, 
you know, and realized that she could get out quickly. Yeah, you probably and, want to explain that the it's a sort oh, the of hole is in yeah right. The the, the autobiography is um, it's a great walked, it's a great story. The I, you know, I walk down the street. There's a hole in the street. I fall in it, but it's not my fault. You know, and I walk down the street again. I see the hole, but I still fall in. It's still not my fault. I walk down the same street. I fall in. It's it's a habit, right? I walk down the same street. I walk around the hole. I walk down a different street. It's the fifth chapter. Yeah. And then I, I've added a sixth chapter, which is, there's a hole there, and I fall into that. <laughs> but anyway, and so the question that the, 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 the question I put to this person is, well, what is the feeling that happens before you fall into the hole? Can you, can you actually be aware of that? Mm, sort of and, a prodromal kind of feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like, okay, I, I, I can feel myself going there. Mm. And what if I redirect? to the breath or to what else is around me, you know, do I then not fall in the hole? And so, you know, we can always sense when, when the mind is going a particular way, or we have the potential to, to actually experience something as it's about to happen mm. and recognize whether maybe this isn't such, maybe this is a pattern that I can shift. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can get there, that's great. But yeah, I imagine that for most of us, it sort of just happens. <laughs> and then you yeah, you, and then you, you learn that it's going to happen because it's happening. <laughs> yeah, and then you get out quickly, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. You know, yeah. and you don't blame yourself, and you don't get into all sorts of more story. You just get out. Mm -hmm. But there is that possibility of actually recognizing as you're about to fall in and stepping back. If you can catch that, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Interesting discussion, and uh, we obsess around coffee. I think that's one of the, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our yeah. I don't know that I. Papancha. I mean, papa, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, only you know, but <laughs> only when I'm running low. That's right. You know, and so you could help us with that um, by, of course, buying us coffee, buying us a cup of coffee, or uh, yeah, a cup. or or membership even. Yeah, which are uh, great. Yeah, Helpful. you can do that by going to digginthedharma.com and and just support the show. Help us to defray the costs of putting these podcasts up on the web. Yeah, and there is a cost to that. Uh, and you can also leave us a comment about your particular papancha creators. Yeah. <laughs> what what gives you papancha and how do yeah. you deal with it? We all have our topic of choice, as it were, or our obsession of choice. Or not of choice, but just, yeah. you know, it, it chooses us. Um, <laughs> Okay, Doug, until next time. Thanks a lot, John. Interesting and, uh, conversation as always. Thanks for sticking with us, folks, and keep digging the Dharma. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net, and Doug at dougsdharma.com. <laughs>